You've landed on The Substance, a podcast aiming at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Aiken, and I'm joined by two other guys, my friends Philip and Vincent. Howdy. It's good to be with you guys today on another topic toss-up. And man, what a day. What a day. What a day indeed. We'll get to that. We'll get... Actually, yeah, we don't usually uh, do current events this currently, but who knows when we'll release this sometime in the next, I don't know, three, four weeks. It usually takes a month for... I've noticed that like what happens is I'm releasing a topic toss up and then we record a topic toss up. Yeah, because I literally I was like, what do we talk about? And you're like, we're doing I'm releasing the last topic toss up. I had to go check the notes to see what we <laughs> talked about. Well, those are always fun because we get to respond to listener questions. We get to interact with a lot of ideas and one thing, but we did that last time responding to a listener question and we're jumping back into another one today. Yeah, no, uh, I'm excited to get to that listener question, too. And just a little plug here. I know not everybody listens to the end of the show, which I don't always either for every podcast I listen to. But, um, yeah, if any of you guys have questions or topics or suggestions for future substantive cinema, substantive stories, episodes, things like that, hit us up. Send us an email. So, yeah, we got this question recently um, from a listener on Instagram, and I'm paraphrasing it. But basically, the gist of the, the question was, hey, I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm I'm conservative. I'm in a very conservative circle, but I, I also identify that way. But I'm not really for the death penalty, but everybody else in my circle is and like kind of is pressuring me or saying that I'm wrong for not really being down with the death penalty. Like, I'd love to hear your guys' take on that. Yeah, that's mm. a great question. Really good question. Is- I mean... It's, it doesn't get as much hype because things have been so bananas for the last few years. But, I mean, actually, it did just come up a couple months ago, Yeah, actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I know that there was a lot of the amount of executions being done federally yep. uh, towards the end of this current presidential cycle was making big headlines. There was one in particular uh, execution that was trying to be stayed even down to the last minute that was uh, the stay was unsuccessful and that was the guy that didn't even kill anybody right yes uh the man yeah he was he was basically was booked insane. as an accomplice or insane. on the scene or that kind of thing he's been in jail since he was 18 we'll or something put some like that. of that in the show notes there yeah, yeah we can, link can read up that on that it's just that particularly was a an egregious one yeah so uh, that did bring up death penalty for a lot of folks and sure you know I know going back and thinking about growing up, like, yeah, it was always just like, well, the death penalty is just biblical. Like, okay, Genesis 9. Mm-hmm. Trevor, um, do you remember? Yeah. We were in, we went to school together. Do you remember in middle school, one of our teachers said, like, I am uncomfortably pro death penalty. And I was like, help me understand that. <laughs> like, that sound of a I was like, huh? Like, I don't think a whole lot of people are great. Like, in our circle, nobody that I heard was anti-death penalty. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Dude, I just, that has stuck with, I'm a 31 year old man. And I, that's I funny. Remember that I don't remember when I was that. like 13. It's an odd statement for sure. It was an odd statement. Interesting. Yeah. So Vince, you called out a few weeks ago, Mike Winger, Bible thinker. Um, yeah, and he's got the YouTube channel on the podcast and he's got a, a video talking about this issue called the death penalty is biblical obviously 
um which oh, obviously is on there <laughs> yep yeah cool. that is the title of the video and so i i what's interesting is like did you watch a, that video i did i watched it in its entirety okay. uh actually i listened to the podcast um didn't watch the video i listened to the podcast is it the same thing yes Just basically like yeah okay. yep, yep 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 except the other way around he's mainly a youtube but there's a lot of that that i agree with right going to genesis 9 like mm-hmm. God said, you know, if a man sheds a man's blood, then by man his blood shall be shed. And sure. the idea that the government has the authority to um wield the sword. Yeah, Romans 13, right? As well. So there are some basic principles there um that say that the death like the death penalty is not sinful, wrong or evil in principle like on in its and own. of itself. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's clear biblically. And I sure. think that's where a lot of Christians are coming from. It's just like, well, how can you say that the death penalty is bad when the Bible says that the death penalty is okay? Well, <laughs> and that's, again, un- unfortunately, I feel like that is how it's framed. Nobody pushes back, and it's just kind of assumed to be that those are the parameters. Because, mm-hmm. again, like we said, yeah, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that the death penalty is essentially wicked. Yeah. But you can't take that and say, well, therefore it's essentially good all the time and we should implement it in all the ways. Yeah. And that, that is one of the like main ways that I start thinking through this issue and pushing back on it a little bit. Cause there's a lot of things that are biblical that doesn't necessarily mean it's a mandate, I guess is like, monarchies are a biblical form of government, but that doesn't mean that all non-monarchical forms of government are unbiblical. So in the same way, I, I, I wonder if, and I think that it is the case that the death penalty is biblical, but a government is not unbiblical if it does not exercise a death penalty. I don't 100%. Know, there's a lot of governments mm-hmm. around the world that do that. And... There's a there's a biblical principle that kind of drives that as well. That drives what, to be clear? It dr- drives the that reality, right? So we're talking about the death penalty being biblical. So then under what reality, not having a death penalty, could that be biblical? Sure. I think that's, a, that's an important question to ask. Yeah, I, I think this is another... I forget which episode. I think it might have even been a topic toss-up. It was either... Maybe it was our, our politics when we talked about... We should not be averse to just thinking critically and re-examining things. Mm-hmm. As people of faith, we shouldn't be so set in our... Uh, people have convinced themselves it's a biblical issue. Mm-hmm. They've convinced themselves that because like a thing is true biblically that nothing else is true. Like, Where do you feel like the flaw is specifically in there? Well, I feel like it's very clear things. to me, but not a whole lot of people. Like, I know a lot of people who... Like, if I say, hey, like, you should consider this. We're like, well, no. Like, mm. that's that's not something we should consider. Like, that would be, like... I think it comes from a couple world. places. I think, one, like, in many, many cases, the people who are objecting to the death penalty have not seriously wrestled with the biblical data. Right. Um, and so I, what you see is a lot of arguments that don't seem to be very well rooted in biblical truth, so much as, like, feeling or political sentiment. And so then it's very easy for somebody who's from a conservative tradition to be like, well, here's book, chapter, verse that you haven't thought about. The Bible is the authority. 
And so you have to bend to that, and that's the end. Instead of really fully sussing out, yes, the Bible is the authority. Yes, that is true. Yes, we do need to consider that. But just because they're wrong, does that mean we're right? You know, does does that mean that that's the full amount that the Bible has to say on the issue? Or is there nuance even in the way that the Bible could present it or, or does present it that we can bring to consider today? Because I think a lot of the issues that... that fundamentalism encounters is that we try to take the Bible and just base apply it to today and not think about the way the principles and the truths from the Bible actually apply in modern times, right? We we can't just the, the Bible wasn't written to people today. It was written to people a long time ago, but it was written for people today because of the principles that are there that are timeless. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we miss that. We we act as if the Bible was written to the people today and we miss the ways in which it was written for us to inform us, to give us discernment, to give us wisdom. And instead we look for an easy proof text or two that, and then we just, just bear apply that and run with that and yeah, never think, really fully think through it. I think proof texting is huge in conversations like these. Yeah. And, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, like on the death penalty, it, I wrestle with it because at the end of the day, so let's say there's a, there's a serial killer. We have him dead to rights. So we have all the evidence he's confessed. There's no question in anyone's mind on the face of the planet that this guy did it. It's hard to say, like, hey, this guy killed, like, let's say, 40 people and enjoyed doing it. Or even five. That's, I mean, yeah. Whatever. He's a serial killer. We know he did it. He deserves to die. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. You, what you have said kind of illustrates, again, people's, people en masse, their aversion to critical thinking. Because mm. it doesn't have to be wanton death penalty no death penalty at all ever uncomfortably supporting the death yeah penalty. <laughs> I, I vividly remember that what does that even mean yeah but yeah so like there aren't only two options yeah right interesting like, yeah. I, we, we need to think yeah i i never ran into this issue um growing up yeah i didn't really run into this until maybe a couple years ago the when I actually started to be more curious about the topic of abortion, um, huh. particularly interesting, the arguments were were how can you be a conservative individual who says that they care about life uh, from from birth to the grave, and then support the death penalty? And mm. I had so like, how can you be against abortion but support the death penalty kind of thing? Right, or how can you be? Yeah, exactly. Either that, or saying like, I, I yeah. either one. You you're saying sure. you are an advocate for life. You make this these broad statements of image bearing and value um, that is implicit to an individual, um, and 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 irrevocable um, because they're image bearers. But then you care or you don't care about the lives of those who are on hmm. death row. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that that's, that's as good a of a question argument. that some people think it is, but I do think it's a good question. Well, I'm like pressing causes people, people to, to be more pro-life. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it, I don't it, think it's necessarily related. Yeah, it's a provoking no. question, especially if you don't know anything. Correct. And so yeah, exactly. I was, I, I, I hadn't known anything. So I was like, Oh, Oh, 
But wait, do I support the death penalty? Like, I didn't even have an opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah. And even now, See, with you, Trevor, I, I still wrestle with it because I, I do know the biblical justifications for it. Um, but I don't think it's a one-to-one. And I, I don't think federal or state governments necessarily operate biblically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a really good point. I can't. I can't. It's hard to come down on one side. And and that's where my agreement with you, Phil, comes right in. I I, I don't think you can always just pick a side and and, and stay parked. Or and that that is one of the the beauties of in our case, frankly, being an American. Mm-hmm. We get to have a say. We can petition our leaders. We can vote. We can influence. We should always be think Christians in any sort of society like would do well to think about these things and try to have biblically informed opinions and positions on these things. But like we can affect change here in our current context. So, I mean, putting in the work to think about, okay, what does the Bible say? What is the reality right now? What is the data? What are the stats? Like what would, what would it look like to have a God honoring policy on the death penalty? Like that, I think is the best question, not should we have it or should we try to abolish it? It's like, and, and again, like we're Christians, we, we, we don't, we're not trying to have a theocracy. We are also yes. needing to work with all the other people around us. So like super important, what is yeah. a, a healthy and, and good and generous and charitable, like death penalty policy that does well for everyone in our society? Maybe that's the best question. Yeah. Well, and, and even that, it's, it's, a, it's a hard question. I, I think, the, honestly, the way I feel comfortable approaching this issue is just saying, like, yes, I think a pro-death penalty approach is biblical. But the question is, is a anti-death penalty approach, can that be biblical? And because even, even like we were saying earlier, like the, the state governments, the federal governments, they don't pursue the death penalty in a biblical way, but neither did Rome. And Paul gave them authorization to do it. So I'm knowing that people are hearing this and and thinking about those objections as well. But what I kind of would ground the possibility of the an anti-death penalty position being biblical, I would ground that in the prioritization that the Bible puts on innocent life. Sure. Mm. So to directly answer the listener's question, we probably should get back to that. <laughs> yeah. So Deuteronomy 17, six is um, pretty clear on this one. So I, I, I want to point this out. So after you have Genesis nine and you have, listen, if, if a guy sheds blood by man, his blood shall be shed in the Mosaic law. The Bible says on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Now, I think people know this, but, but really, it's easy to gloss over. And I think it's worth just meditating on for a second. So think about this scenario. Old Testament Israel, maybe you're a civil magistrate or something, and Somebody breaks into your house, kills your family member. Like it's, it's maybe a ruffian or somebody from your town you know is a bad guy. You saw it, but you alone saw it. Now you're a totally trustworthy dude. Your entire life has been service to the people and to God. 
and you come forward and you say, listen, I, I know. I know the ruffian. I know this dude, this bad dude in town that everybody knows, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't quite fit in. He's at whatever. He killed my family member. Like, I want justice for my family member who, who was murdered. This guy murdered my sought. Everybody believes this guy beyond the shadow of a doubt, right? There's no doubt in anybody's mind. Yeah, this guy. But he's only one witness. The Bible says that guy, who that murderer, will not be put to death. Why? Because there's not another witness. Because it's more important to preserve the principle that we need multiple witnesses in order to preserve innocent lives from mm-hmm. being killed, to, in order to preserve the rule of law, in order to preserve these things. It is more important to protect the innocent lives than to avenge that murdered person. Mm-hmm. Even though it is important to avenge the murdered person, even though, even though the Bible does talk about in Deuteronomy 19, just two chapters later, it talks about purging the guilt of innocent blood. And I think that that is honestly its own principle. I mean, you, you look at the history of lynching in our country, you look at the way that that has seemingly morphed into racialized executions. Yeah. And so I think that because of the way the justice system is set up and that there is a lot of innocent life on the line objectively that we can see we have so much yes, data now we do uh so i think that 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 would be the basis I'd, I'd say if you don't feel comfortable with the the death penalty and you're feeling like man there's innocent lives being lost here like you're actually rooted in a prioritization of innocent life that is even rooted back into the scripture because even in, in the mosaic law there was a principle there that it didn't matter like it didn't matter how credible that one witness was you did not put someone to death, even on that evidence, even, even though Genesis 9 says, if a man sheds blood, by man his blood shall be shed. There's a principle of grace. And I think you see that work out in some individual examples, like with David who killed Uriah, etc. Some other, some other examples you could think of in Scripture where, where people are spared. But I, I think that the Bible has a prioritization for the preservation of innocent life. Because these, these are two errors, right? The error of missing the guilty party mm-hmm. and condemning the innocent party; those errors are at you have to pick one. Mm. Yeah, unless you unless you assume society is going to have perfect judgment, which it isn't, you only can minimize one error. Well, and I think that lately, with all the the data, frankly, from folks like the folks at the Equal Justice Initiative and things like that, where it is showing like there's there's DNA evidence, there are the a history of like actual I mean, oh, yeah. technically, like actual conspiracies against certain people just to get quote to get people feel like they had justice, mm-hmm. get things wrapped up quickly, make an example out of a guy they picked. Right. Like Curtis Flowers, for example. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are so many clear cut, irrefutable examples of that that I think mm-hmm. that now the folks who are advocating either to abolish the death penalty or death penalty reform really do have a point to make. And it's, it's a conversation that people of faith should not thoughtlessly enter into. Yeah. Even with uh, abolishing the death penalty, because some might say, oh, well, you're, you're just arguing for death penalty reform, not for abolishment. But here's the thing, like we live in a democracy where laws can be written and rewritten. Mm-hmm. And so we can say, put a stop to this. What's interesting to me is like God in Malachi was willing to say, hey, 
the worship at the temple is not right, put a stop to it. It doesn't like, matter. the temple. It doesn't matter that there's this or that Israelite here or there who is worshiping correctly. It doesn't matter that, you know, maybe even a lot of the people are getting it right. What matters is that the leadership and the tenor of it, to me, it's wrong. And so shut the gates. And if God is willing to say that on something that is so commanded and so central to life and spiritual life as the worship, the community worship of God, then why could we not say that, hey, there's a time to hit stop on the death penalty and let's reevaluate and let's correct things and let's deal with it as mm-hmm. a nation and, and then see about moving forward. 100%. So, so be encouraged, listen. Yeah, there should be freedom to do that in, in, in a lot of different areas that um, may have b- biblical principles attached to it, but maybe not necessarily pursued in this American context uh, biblically. Then I, I think it, it just takes the time to say, hey, I know I have one way of thinking about this, or I thought about this one way for X amount of years, or my camp or group or whatever thinks about this this way. But I think it, it does it does us well to just stop for a second, like you said, Trev, and, and say, let me reevaluate this and see if there is you know, continued justification and truth in the, in the, in the full Testament of scripture on everything the word has to say about this subject. Um, and, and then just be, be okay. If, if conviction sets in to say, you can think differently about this and it's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to adjust. Yeah. So, yeah. So concluding that is just, I don't know that I land either way. All I'm saying is I can see biblical reasons, biblical reasons for both. And so to the listener who's like, hey, am I unbiblical in this? Maybe. Maybe you are. I don't know what's motivating your opposition, opposition yeah. but he, there are biblical reasons for taking either side in my view. Right. Especially in light of the fact that we're the most incarcerated nation on the planet. Yeah, there's there's a whole rabbit hole. The death penalty probably could be its own episode, but I it's, wanted to yeah. get to that before it got too much uh, too much time went by. Speaking about getting to it before too much time goes by. Good night. I'm now I'm I'm even presently getting updates about Congress reconvening after the uh, yeah we're recording on the sixth <sighs> yeah. of January today. Yeah, so there was a in, in case somebody was not. I guess watching the news today, there is a insurrection, uh, what I would describe as a white supremacist insurrection at the Capitol today in the, in the U.S. And pretty, I don't know, it felt historic. Yeah. And uh, what do we, what do we want to do with this topic today? Big question. Like, is this about like, why did this happen? Or is this about what can we learn? Or is this about like just our reflections and meditations on this moment or all of the above? Sure. We want to be biblical, thoughtful, human, engage the culture. Like, I mean, this is, it was a very significant thing that happened. Yeah. I'm interested in one of the things, and we've talked about this before, that I'm most interested in is consistency. Mm. Um, I'm very concerned mm-hmm. about my personal witness and the witness of others who are people of faith and who are known publicly as people of faith. There are a lot of people of faith who very who had very strong words about various types of public expression, and I'm I'm just really really hoping that they uh 
they see this as i mean some folks frankly need to see this as a uh a wake up of like the true nature of christian nationalism and, mm. and the problems there that yeah. some folks straight up deny some folks acknowledge but either minimize or aren't sure what to do with it like there are some people who i have appreciated and liked over the years who i would say straight up they're deceived and yeah. they're they're deceiving others and like their whole deal's pretty bad right now but there are some folks who i see who i i feel like they've maybe not bought in but they just don't seem to know what to do and it's also not a pastor's job to be a cultural commentator all the time 100 no, like that's true but um but there are some folks who who say very strong things when it seems to suit them mm-hmm. politically and tribally speaking but then who who don't have anything to say at other times and when mm-hmm. something so drastic happens like the capital of our nation getting, like someone died in there today yeah while the votes of our national presidential election were being ratified. Like, I mean, just have nothing to say about that Yeah. as a faith leader and a community leader. I mean, you want to talk about the destruction of monuments, a monument in a sense to democracy, to the American public, the American people was defaced and destroyed in ways today. With simultaneously Confederate flags, Nazi imagery, and like Jesus's name all together. Yeah, that's yeah, it's oh. very clearly oh, America's brand sick. of white supremacy. I'm sorry, I had a very visceral reaction. I apologize. That that really makes me uncomfortable, dude. <laughs> As it should. Yeah, like I mean, it's. I, I, I don't need to apologize. I, I, I saw think. a tweet today that I just showed Trevor before we recorded, <laughs> and you got this if you want, but it said, "Well, that escalated." appropriately over the course steadily of, yeah, over four that, years well that escalated steadily over the course of four years like <laughs> this shouldn't be that surprising to anybody paying attention yeah yeah i think that's my take like i i was kind of unsurprised by this 100 percent. but like i think my my overall attitude is just sadness uh it's it's morning I, I think it's a day of tragedy for our nation um it says a lot about where we're at as a nation it says a lot about the failure of the church in our nation to be uh, salt, to be that preserving power, to be light, to be that clarifying power, to to give discernment in the world. I mean, we've talked about, and Philip, you were just mentioning that like pastors aren't called to be cultural commentators, but they are called to shepherd the people yeah. into the Christian virtues. And one of Christian virtues, like we were just talking about on the news and sources episode on other episodes, we've talked about discernment. And what I see here is just a total lack of Proverbs, James style wisdom. When James talks about the wisdom that's from below versus the wisdom that's from above, you look at the church today and you don't see the wisdom that's from above. And you do see the wisdom that's from below a lot from these these powerful largely white voices and it's and so when you you see something like this white supremacist insurrection at the capitol it's just saddening because it is a testament to the failure of the church to lead the people to think biblically think in a discerning way about these things and and there's still my prayer is that and honestly 
I've been praying this today for our nation, that this would just be a moment of clarity for people. I really, they, truly, truly hope so. That they would really see this and just that that the scales would fall from their eyes like they fell from Saul's and that they would look up and be like, oh. This is what that thing was. Kind of like was... that meme, like, oh, we're the baddies. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? And, and then that they would repent from it. Publicly. Because I, I've mm. talked about this a number of times. Everybody's podcasts and sermons and tweets and posts and replies, it's all public record. Everybody has seen everything that folks have said and not said over the last four years. Well, and I think that by and large, American like evangelical Christianity thinks, oh, well, white supremacy is a thing of the past. And I just hope that after today, at least many of them are disabused of that notion because it's like, how can you believe that when this just happened? Yeah, and I I truly don't think... I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Phil, I, and I don't want to be a pessimist by any means, but there, there's a part of me that because that thinking isn't happening, it's hard to think, especially in real time, that I'm on the wrong side of history because it's so present yeah. as well as, you know, cognitive dissonance is a real thing. Like, it's, yeah. it's just like, I am in this camp. I have this train of thought. This is what I think. This is what I feel. And no matter how much evidence, I I will just pivot and find a way to make sure that my thoughts and my justifications are adequately, at least to me, justified. And it, it hurts because that's not how a Christian should be thinking. And and it's and it's it's so good and healthy. To know when you've done something wrong. I mean, do we do we understand repentance mm. as an aspect of the gospel? Like that's mm. uh, that's a change of the mind. That's a change of the heart. And that's not just saying, "Oh, I feel bad because I sinned against God." It's I feel bad because I sinned against a holy and righteous God, and I am turning away from it. I'm walking away from mm-hmm. that thing. Not just, "Oh, well, we did that one bad thing," but you know, whatever. That's that's not repentance. That's not how we that's not how we should be processing anything. We should be super unique and peculiar in how we handle these kinds of situations. And the fact that we haven't shows a very unhealthy wedding of the world and the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm <laughs> Vince and listeners don't don't hear me say that I'm imagining that a lot of people who have been rah-rah Republican MAGA folks are going to be like, oh, hey, this is destructive. Like, I don't necessarily imagine that's going to happen, but I, I pray, pray it for does it. with some. Um, I, I pray, especially, man, like, I am so concerned about, like, just the testimony. Mm-hmm. Like, people cannot lose their salvation. Maybe that's a topic. I'm sure not all of our listeners will agree with that. But, like, it's a biblical truth. People can't lose their salvation. So... The children of God who are out there acting a fool, they are not endangering their own eternity. But they are, and I mean, they're playing right into the hands of the enemy. Like they are just dragging the name of God and Jesus through the mud. Mm. They are they are saying to the world, we care more about power and our, our, our tribal temporary identity than we do about you and your safety and your concerns 
and when faced over and over and over with irrefutable evidence of of wickedness mm-hmm. we're going to justify it because that's our side yeah and i'd say another thing that this has really made me think is that we've been talking about on this podcast for over a year now oh it goes all the way back to our very first episode ever in season 1 about how there's not just one righteous party. And, and the evangelical church is being taught passively and actively. Definitely from pulpits. I've heard yep. more than one. And we've talked about it. We've pushed back up on it. Yeah. Right? We're not, we're not partisan activists in, in this mm. podcast. No. Shout out to the Ant Campaign. We, we're not campaigning for any one individual or things like that. But when you see leaders who are telling Christians, hey, if you don't vote for Donald Trump this election, you are sinning. The message that is being sent in that, in John MacArthur's message, who said that earlier this year, most publicly, uh, most well think, known, but think of there's that's others been parroted by yep, so many, so many people, so many others who have said the exact same I've thing heard it with my own ears from the, people in real life, a bunch. Yeah. So, so the upshot of that argument is that the other side is actually immoral and wicked. And in that sense, the things that happened at the Capitol today make total sense. It's actually the rational response to objective evil taking over your nation. So what I'm saying is that... Run that back a little bit. Explain. I completely understand what you're saying, but just make that clear. What I'm saying is that the white supremacist insurrection that happened today at the Capitol is an application of the sermons that were saying that Trump is the only Christian vote. If Trump is the only moral vote, if the Republicans are the only moral party, and if, the, if, if a Joe Biden presidency means if the Democrats America is forever gone, are the evil ones, sure. if they are the evil ones, then yeah, wouldn't you stop the transfer of power to evil in your nation? Of course you would. The problem is that thinking of they're the evil ones is bad, wrong, and unbiblical, like we've been trying to tell everyone on this podcast for a while. Like, that's, that's harmful. And this is the harm. When we say that that's harmful, hopefully now people can understand this is what we're talking about. Because this is the upshot of that kind of thinking. If Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and whatever are the devil, then of course you don't want the devil in charge of your nation. But they're not. They're just people. They're people who maybe have some unbiblical ideas. I don't know that they're Christians who are leading in a secular nation. So a lot of folks who are leading the nation, not Christian. And they're trying to do the best that they can do. And maybe some of them are corrupt for sure. And maybe some of them need a lot more ideas in their heads than they have right now for sure. But they're not evil. The evil is what is dividing the nation against itself, what is dividing people against brothers against brothers, what is dividing the church. That's the real enemy. And that evil enemy should not have a friend in the pulpit or in the heart of believers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it does currently. That's what, like, when these statements are being made, the enemy rejoices because this is his message, not God's message. Yeah. And that's not, and that's not to say like there is truth 
There is right and wrong. There is good and evil. That's very clear. But we need to make sure we understand the difference between bad ideologies and the people that hold them and be loving to people while deposing ideologies. Um, and that's, that's what we're continually trying to do here. But, but yeah, that, that whole thinking that, you know, the Dems are the bad guys, like I see a direct line between the church allowing that to become the norm in church culture to what just happened today. Yeah, like the Jesus saves flags being carried alongside the Confederate flags being carried alongside like guns into the Capitol building. Yeah, we got to do better. We, we just, the standard that we have as being ambassadors of the gospel and representatives of Christ, we need to raise the standard of what we expect ourselves to do and behave and think and what we hold accountable for our, our brothers and sisters. Like we just need to raise that standard and, and be set apart. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, hmm. but. Yeah, And along that, that line, too, before we move on to our, uh, our final topic here, I also just want to say, like, the folks who are in our lives, who we know, who we are related to, who we live around and near and see on a regular basis, who are passively or actively bought in to this wicked ideology, they are still deserving of, of love. That's and right. Compassion. For sure. That's right. I mean, mm. everyone is like even the folks who are aggressively, yes. negatively, wickedly stoking this for their own wicked personal gain yeah. are also deserving of love. But like there, Amen. there are a lot of and I don't want to minimize culpability. No, no. But there are a lot of folks out there who are just ignorant and who follow their shepherds because they just trust them. Yeah. There are a lot of people who have been led astray who it's not the the folks who stormed the capitol today equal the people in my church who i know who are super like republicany no, not at all like the response that we owe to the folks in our lives who are extremely conservative and who've maybe been a little bit more radicalized the last couple of years here is one of love and compassion yes um, it's not always easy to have conversations. I'm a big fan of of not backing away of trying to have conversations, but but it's true that conversations can't always happen in a good way. But we need to be praying, yeah, yeah. and talking when we can. Like love, Being peacemakers. Love, love gently rebukes, but it doesn't rebuke in order to cause division. It it rebukes to cause peace and unity. Like that's right, Trevor. Like yeah, it doesn't rejoice. And, and we talked at. Uh, couple topic toss-ups ago about folks saying that woke believers need to be church disciplined out of the church mm -hmm. um, church discipline the actual biblical practice of it exists in order to have unity and, and the end goal is that the the person who goes through the discipline be restored mm -hmm. so the folks in your lives who are riding the trump train real hard mm -hmm. like don't don't write them off. Yeah. Mm, that's good. It, it is. It's easy to write off people that we disagree with, especially, I mean, check out our news and sources episode, especially in this age where we have two versions of reality being pre presented. 
on a daily basis based on that marketability. But in the church, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't just be controlled by the world. Man, heavy, heavy couple topics there. Why don't we, uh, why don't we look forward a little bit? It's uh, early 2021 still, like you said, January 6th, and talk about some of the stuff that we're looking forward to reading and engaging with this year. So as far as the reading, I, I think you shouted it out in the um, 2020 year-end deal, but my wife just bought me for Christmas, uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly, and I just started it nice. um, last week, and I'm going through it's. I think it's the actual pages of text. It's around 200 pages or less. It's a short book. But man, is it so encouraging and rich. And like, I feel like I am being not just discipled, but ministered to actively as I'm reading it. So I'm I'm savoring that. I'm trying to read it slowly and, and rereading the chapters before I move on. But that's that's what I'm very excited to read this year. What about you, Trev? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about a couple couple books this year. There's some I want to revisit, some audiobooks. I definitely want to hit I know we've talked a ton about the Ant campaign. Compassion and Conviction's been on my list forever. It's real good. I still haven't hit that yet, so I definitely want to hit that one. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast, but I've heard a lot of hype about Esau McCauley's book, Reading While Black. Yeah. I also, I, I mentioned this on our media episode, but I just got um, Saints and Sinners, A History of the Popes. So I'm looking forward to diving into that and finishing that out. Nice. And then I've kind of got uh, Terry L. Johnson's uh, The Identity and Attributes of God hanging around. And I I got started on it. I was recommended uh, this book by a friend. Got a little bit into it. And what I read about it, I did like. And it did it did seem really good contemplations on God's character. So I'm hoping to get into that this year as well. Do you know what also a little throwback that I'm super excited for this year is uh, Shobaraka's book. Oh, yeah. I was especially thinking about how it's going to be like a bunch of different genres in one book. I'm just super interested to see what it's going to be like. And actually, two more uh, (laughs) substance throwbacks here. Brett McCracken's new book is coming out next month. Oh, yeah. The, I believe it's called the wisdom pyramid or the wisdom diet. It's like that sound bite on repeat for me right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, we're going to be getting this from the publisher soon. Kina Aragon's new children's book. Love gay. Almost did it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to all a bunch of books from former substance guests and, um, future substance guests. I like it. Who? Oh, yeah, sure. Past and future. Wow. Sorry, we're making your editing work hard here, Trevor. (laughs) No, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. What else am I really excited about? Um, Vince, dive on in there. What you reading, Vince? What's on your to-read list? Uh, So, life is quite busy around this time. And so, audiobooks have to be my jammy jam for now. Um, mm-hmm. so I have, um, kind of locked up in the arsenal, ready to go this year. Uh, R.C. Sproul's abortion, uh, a rational look for an emotional mm. issue. I think, mm. you know, I, I already have a, uh, in a, a position on the topic, but I want to continue to think about this particular topic. 
um, because I have a wife who practices uh, medicine. And so um, it's, it's on my wish list and it's something that I definitely want to uh, read. Another book, uh, The End of White Christian America by Robert P. Jones. Oh, Past yeah. Substance there it guest. is again. Um, I'd love to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I, you got to tell me about that one when you read that one, too, because that has been kind of on my back burner. Like, oh, that'd be interesting. To I thought know about that what's in book there. yesterday, too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I so I'm super interested in, in reading that. And then I, I know it's bad eschatology. I know it is. Okay. You're going to read the Left Behind books? But I want to, yeah. It's the Left Behind. It, no, are not? you serious? Yeah. He got no, it's the, it, <laughs> oh, sorry. It's like the, Why not? It's the audio drama of... It's, it, and it's the prequels. Yeah. I know what you're talking so about. So it's, it's basically like one of... So the guy who's supposed to be the, uh, the Antichrist, uh, his, the name in the book... Nikolai, Nikolai Carpathia, Carpathia, man. You read... I remember when you cranked those books in Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. You know who else is? You know who else is thinking about reading that this year, Vince? This is really? my dad. Yeah, he was talking to me about like, oh, we've got these. We'll read them again. They're hey, listen, they are. It's good. It's compelling narrative. It's, it is. He writes an interesting international it's, thriller. It's an it's an enjoyable story. So yeah, sure. I I remember really, really, really like just cranking through a lot of those when I was younger. Um, and I more I think there was more of a draw because I didn't have very good um eschatological beliefs and so i i was more pulled in because i was like man they basically have a shot for shot of how this is going down uh <laughs> <laughs> now you know no that's the nicholas cage one right <laughs> but I, I think i have i've grown to just i i need something that is a little more nostalgic and so and, and and it's it's a good story, even if the if the biblical yeah. accuracy of it is not as close. It's a story well told, and it's a story well dramatized. Um, it's 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 really good. So I'm definitely planning on <laughs> getting through those. And then um, finally, a suggestion that you made, Trevor, uh, quite some time ago. It might have been you or or Phil. I suggest so many books. Yeah, right. Uh, what if Jesus was <laughs> serious? Okay, yeah, Skajitani. Yeah, Skajitani. Um, I that that the future substance. Yeah. Yes. Hey, come on, Sky. If you're listening, we will uh, talk to you. Yeah, it, the the title was interesting. How is it? How it was described was really interesting. So that that I I really want to I want to you know always every year or every every moment within a year want to continue to grow in my relationship with the with the Lord. So. You know, I the title Amen. is captivating to me, as, and of how it was described. So I'm excited to to read that as well. Oh, hundred um, percent. Do you know? I I think I told you, Trev. Hmm. Um, who was it? Alyssa Wilkinson mentioned it on the show, and I just saw Karen Swallow Pryor talking about it online too. The hmm. uh, the children's Bible by yes. Lydia Millet. I think I yes. don't have it right yes, in front of me. That is it. It ju- my uh, hold just popped up on Libby. So Boom. I hear it's nice. a quick read. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to try to get to that. This oh, weekend. and I got there the go. uh, A.W. Pink Attributes of God. Okay. I'm going to crank through that one pretty fast, okay. though. It's only like 40 pages. And then you got to listen to the album, too. Ooh. 
I hear that like the attributes of God by Pink is like the better version of Knowledge of the Holy or whatever. Mm, interesting. Like, <laughs> I've always had a love hate relationship with Knowledge of the Holy. Okay. Can you be? Can you do that in sixty seconds? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, theologically, knowledge of the holy isn't, mm, there's, there's points of disagreement for sure. I think he's got little pithy statements that are super good, but not all of his insights are necessarily very well grounded biblically or exegetically. Interesting. That's, that's my 60 seconds on knowledge of the holy. I still think it's a great book for groups to go through, I don't remember if I've read, I've definitely read attributes. I'm trying. I don't remember if I've actually personally read Knowledge of the Holy or if I've just had a, maybe I read it for a class and I mm-hmm. skimmed it because I feel like I've interacted with it before. Maybe you want to. I, I don't remember anything. We can do a substantive it. story on it one day. Could nice. Be, yeah. Speaking Thanks. of substantive things like substantive stories, <laughs> we could also talk about substantive shout outs. That is a functional transition. <laughs> I love how you call out all my transitions. Like, hey guys. I don't know if you're listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> but Trev just did a segue. <laughs> well, we'll see how long that goes. I apologize if that was unwarranted. No, it's it's legit. Um, hey, I'll I'll uh, I'll rock and roll with my shout out. So, a book that I read last year, and I just recently we were just talking about Sky Jatani and the guys of the Holy Post put together a good show. I mean, I consider us to be brothers in arms with them on a lot of things. And John Fea was on their recent show talking about David Blight's biography of Frederick Douglass called Prophet of Freedom. And the it's a big book. It's really long. But, oh my goodness, it is amazing. And the amount of research and, like, the religious nature of Douglass's work and his thought and his writing and the people who were engaged in that work around him. You'll learn stuff that you never knew before about his relationship with John Brown and things like that. And it is just, it's one, it's a very compelling read. It's a very compelling time in American history. And it's super relevant to the things that are being talked about today. And so I, I say that I would recommend that, like if I was teaching a class on history, even church history in America in a Sunday school. If I had any class where I got to assign a book <laughs> and pretty much that was topically relevant, I would assign this book. Interesting. Everyone should read it. It's amazing. Read it. The end. There you go. My substantive shout out this week uh, is a podcast I actually was listening to today because I was uh, racking my brain. I was like, oh, I got to come up with a substance shout. I was like, what have I read or listened to or watched recently? That was real great. And it wasn't necessarily like a uh, blow the doors off best thing I've ever listened to. But I just realized today that Kevin DeYoung has a podcast titled Life and Books and Everything. Cool. Uh, And he was promoting it on Twitter that he had John Piper on today talking about books. And it was a really great little uh, episode. Talked about Piper's influences, why he is a fan of a a slower reading method and reading much fewer books better than trying to read many books. Um, and I just love hearing Piper and DeYoung talk. And I also was informed about, I think I had heard of this before, but Piper was talking, part of the reason he was on the show is talking about his new book coming out this year called Providence that is massive that I am 
very much looking forward to reading. It's like a 750 page book on the providence of God. Dang. Super excited to crack into that. But uh, it was just great to hear two guys in ministry who I have appreciated their writings and their messages, just kind of talking about the way that the writings of other men throughout the years have impacted them. And that was just super enjoyable. Listen. Nice. Well, I will wrap us up here. Um, my substantive shout out is a, I would say he's a comedian and an entrepreneur. His uh, stage name is Kev on stage, K-E-V-O-N-S-T-A-G-E. And this guy is amazing. And it, it's fun. great to see his his transition because he went from like just doing very small videos uh just like skits of like church comedy and stuff like that he's he's got clean humor and it it, it was just refreshing it was funny it's relatable uh and then he's grown all the way to the point where he has an independently owned streaming platform and studio does he really he hmm. does i mean the dude has just stayed so consistent super supportive wife, super supportive team. And now he's, I think he's to the point where he can say like, he's, he's pretty well off and he, he makes such good content. It's just awesome. So super huge shout out and congratulations to Kev on stage. All right. Cool, man. Well, Hey, uh, let me pause my scrolling through the merchandise on Kev on stages website to say, if you like this episode, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to it? Hit that five-star button. Hit that five-star button. And most importantly, talk about it. Talk about it with your friends. Text somebody. Write a post. Tag us. And let, let your friends know about the things you were thinking about because of the substance, especially if we got you noodling on the death penalty and maybe rethinking some of the ways that you approach that issue. And also, just thank you for the folks who have uh, messaged us and reached out to us personally when you do. Uh, I just got a text today from somebody saying, hey, like, I shared your show with somebody who I know, and they really loved it. Like, that just means a lot to us. So when you share it with us and uh, have some success, somebody likes it, let us know. And if you like what we're doing enough and uh, you want to support us, The Substance is an independent podcast. We really appreciate everybody who who likes what we're doing enough to help us out financially as um, we're looking to grow and do more listener interaction and giveaways and merchandise and things like that. Uh, the best ways to support us with your dollars are on the cash app. We are dollar sign the substance pod, or if you want to become a monthly subscriber at any amount that you um, like, there is a, uh, a link in the show notes or anchor.fm slash the substance pod slash support. That's a long URL, but you can just go to find it in the show notes. There at the anchor, you can sign up for one dollar a, a month, three dollars a month, ten dollars a month, whatever you think is appropriate for all this free content that we're making. Um, uh, we love making it; we're doing it for fun. But when folks appreciate it and give, it's uh, it's always encouraging to um, help us as we are. Uh, trying to develop good content for you guys. And we have uh, a lot that we're trying to do in the new year. So if you're able to, I know uh, 2020 is a pretty rough year. Certainly wouldn't want anybody to go outside their means. But if you want to throw us a couple dollars, that'd really mean a lot. And if you have any questions or topic submissions that you want, you can hit us up 
at thesubstancepod at gmail.com. Or if you want to try to get on the show with a question or a suggestion, we are 913-703-3883. You can leave us a voicemail there. If we like it, um, you might just get on the show. Yeah, and if you want to interact with us on social media, um, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Substance Pod. There you can interact with us. You can get teasers of future shows. Giveaways will be posted there. If you have questions, definitely put those under the comment section. And don't forget that we have all of our content on YouTube. So if you happen to find yourself needing to just listen to a video as you're doing things around the house or while you're at work or driving into work, coming home from work, uh, people don't do that anymore because of a pandemic, but you can listen to us on YouTube. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week, and we will see you guys back next week on The Substance. I also just want to say, like, I, I don't want to be negative. Let me be positive. The f- Phil, don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs>